This morning, I've titled the message, uh, Realization of the Relationship, Promises, Prayers, and Overcoming Temptation. Uh, Yesterday, we talked about our personal witness and that God has called us to be a witness and we're to share the things that we've seen and heard and felt uh, from our experience with Him. And today, we're talking about promises, prayers, and overcoming temptation. When we have this experience with Christ, we're claiming promises, uh, we're doing it in prayer, and we're overcoming the temptations, and we're facing them down in the name of Jesus. I remember this years ago. <laughs> All right. Good enough. When we're going through this experience right here, we're going to have something to witness about. Amen? If we're dealing with the challenges in our life, not turning our backs on them, but facing them in the name of the Lord, we're going to have an experience that we can tell other people about. And I guarantee you that people out in the world want to hear about overcoming temptation, dealing with those issues that are deep in the heart that they're ashamed of, and actually having freedom from a sinful life. Doesn't that sound good? There's a young man by the name of, well, I won't say his name. You may hear this message at some point in time. But there's a young man I met a couple years ago And could you turn that down a little bit? Thanks so much. Uh, He was uh, a military guy. And he came to me one day and we began to talk about his life. I met him one Sabbath afternoon at a park. And as we began to talk, he shared with me his own experience. He, He felt like the Lord was trying to talk to him and he was scared to death. He didn't know exactly what was going on. And I praise God he gave me the wisdom to clarify for him that day. When I met with him, he said he'd had this experience in his house. He had felt this cold darkness, this presence that was there, and he didn't know what it was. And as he spoke the story to me, I could see in his eyes that he was full of fear, and he was full of questions, and as he spoke more about it, he told me about the experience in detail. He said one evening, he was in his bed, and while he was in his bed, he felt that presence again. And he sat up in his bed, He says it got cold in his house. He felt that dark presence and all of a sudden he felt something very close to his face. And as he felt that something close to his face, he became very scared and then he heard something growl at him and then it was gone. And then not too long after that, he was sharing with me another story about how he had had a dream and in this dream he was lying on the ground And while he was lying on the ground, he couldn't move. He was immobile, but he looked at his body, and his body was covered in sores. And then he heard some noises in the background. But because he couldn't move, he didn't see it right away. But as he continued to listen to the sounds, and as he looked around in his dream, he realized that it was a dog licking his wounds. And he could do nothing about it. And he said, Justin, it troubled me. And he said, another thing that I saw in that dream was this bright light shining down through the roof of my house. He said, I looked up and I fell to my knees because I was so scared. And he says, as I looked up, I realized that it was the Lord and he was coming. And as I listened to these stories that Rick was telling me, said his name, I realized that God was actually speaking to him. And here's the good news. It doesn't matter how far away we are from God. God still wants to communicate with us. Amen? Amen. He wants to save us from our sins. He wants to deliver us from temptation. 
He wants to take us out of the hand of the enemy. And that's what he was communicating with Rick. And basically what I told Rick was this. I said, Rick, what I'm gathering from the information you're sharing with me is this. You are in a condition that you can't get out of. God is telling you that your sins are destroying your life and he's coming soon and he wants you to be ready. And as I shared that with him, tears were running down his face and I asked them at that point in time, Rick, do you mind if I pray? He said, sure, let's pray. And after that I said, I think that we should get together and begin to study the Bible. And he agreed to that. We began studying together and not too long after we studied together, he showed up at the church we were meeting at and I said, Rick, how are you doing? He says, I'm doing okay. And I felt impressed in my heart to share something with him. I said, Rick, I just want to tell you this week that God doesn't condemn you. I said, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How do you feel about that? He began to weep. And I thought, well, this is good news to me. Why is he crying? He then began to tell me the story of his past week. Even though he had heard from me that God was wanting to take him out of his lifestyle and lead him into a relationship with himself. He wanted Rick to be ready for his second coming. Rick had fallen back into the same things that he was a part of before that were destroying his life. You see, Rick was struggling with what we all struggle with, and that's temptation. But Rick didn't have the answer for his temptation. So he continued to fall time and time and time again into the sinful situation and more shame and more guilt and more doubt and more discouragement continued to be piled upon him and he felt like there was no way out. Have you ever felt like that? God has good news for us this morning. Even though we may feel like that, even though we may be struggling with the temptations and even falling into sin, God has told us that if we will enter into relationship with Him, there's victory for you and for me. The Bible says when we come into a relationship with Him, it's like putting on armor. You've read that before, right? In Ephesians chapter 6. Let's turn there just quickly here and take a quick perusal of that passage. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul is telling us that we are wrestling with unseen forces, but those works of those unseen forces are revealed in the lives of every single person every single day. Paul says there's no hope for us without putting on the armor of Christ. He goes on to say, Wherefore then, take unto you the whole armor of God, not just a piece, not just a part, but enter entirely and wholeheartedly into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that will save you against the attacks of unseen enemies that surround us every single day. Do you feel the influences of the enemy every day? Do you? We even see them. 
And if we don't put on the armor of God, we will not know how to fight the battle, nor can we ever win the battle that's being waged specifically against people like you and like me. You see, Satan is attacking everyone. He's placing stumbling blocks in the path of every single person. But more importantly, more exclusively, if you will, he's looking for every opportunity to cause you to stumble. One, because he doesn't want you to be reconciled with God. And number two, he doesn't want anybody else reconciled to God. So he must destroy your witness in the world. And he's doing it by personal attack. Where is he attacking you this morning? Is it with an angry spirit? Maybe a short temper? Maybe you're wrestling with little white lies to make life convenient for everybody. What area is it that you're compromising in in your own life? Are you in a relationship that you shouldn't be in? Are you taking God's promises? Are you taking Him for granted? Whatever it is, take time in the morning. Take time in the afternoon, like the Bible says. Take time in the evening to assess your personal life. You know, there's a prayer in the Bible that says, search me, O God, and know me. Have you read this before? Try me, O Lord, and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God knows the battle. And David says, I can't search my own heart without the light of the Spirit of God coming into me and revealing to me my own condition. And if I don't know my own condition, I can't deal with it honestly and openly with God. You see, temptation and sin can be dealt with appropriately if we're willing to put on the armor of God, if we're willing to step into that relationship and fight against the unseen powers with the weapons that Jesus has given. Let's continue to read. Verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all things taking the what? Shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts. How many? All the fiery darts. That means every temptation that comes against us, every attack of the enemy, God says you can deal with it through faith. How's that? Because we're saved by grace through faith. And he says that's not even of yourself. That's a gift of God too. You see, when we enter into that relationship with God, he provides all that we need. All we have to do is say yes, respond to the giving of the gifts. Accept them and be safe in Him. He goes on to say, and take the helmet of salvation and then it tells us that we have not just armor, but we also have weapons. It says here, and take the helmet of salvation in verse 17 and the sword of the what? which is the, the Word of God. And it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So Paul tells us that we need to be in a relationship with Christ, but we need to be proactive in that relationship, and God has given us the tools to do that. The tools we know are the sword of the Spirit, which is the, and what's the second one? Prayer. 
If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, Paul says it a bit differently when it comes to this warfare that we're fighting when dealing with temptation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to begin reading in verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, and we're going to read verses 3 through at least 5, maybe 6. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And then in verse 4, Paul says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And then he goes on to say, But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. Paul says it's not a physical battle that we're fighting. Paul says it's a spiritual battle that we're fighting. And the weapons of our warfare are not physical. We're not carrying around swords. We're not carrying around guns as Christians. We drop all those things and we walk in faith and believe in the power of God to deliver us from every sin and temptation with the weapons that he's given to us. And what are those weapons again? Help me out. The word of God and? One more time. The word of God and? Prayer. Prayer. If we can take a hold of these things, the way that God has asked asked us to do, and actually believe in the power that he's given us in these things, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There is no temptation too strong for God to deal with when we take hold of his promises and pray to him for the victory. Do you believe that this morning? Come on, saints. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is Paul talking about when he says strongholds? Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Where does the battle take place today? We just said it's not physical. The battle takes place. It's spiritual. And where does it begin? Right here. So where are the strongholds at? Right here. This is where the battle wages. This is where we make decisions for or against God. And Paul goes on to say that these weapons are mighty to pull down every single stronghold that may be in our minds and to set this mind free to, be, uh, to, to serve God and be all that he wants us to be. And if we continue to read, it says, casting down, what's the next word? Arguments. arguments or casting down imaginations or casting down reasonings. Does that remind you of anything? Remember the Garden of Eden? Was Satan reasoning with the mind of Eve that day in the garden when she took of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Was he reasoning with her mind? Didn't he say, did God really say this? He began to question God. He did not write accuse God, but he began to put imaginations and thoughts and he began to reason with her and he led her into temptation she succumbed to that temptation and she fell into sin and we know the terrible horrible results that followed. God says we do not have to listen to the reasonings of Satan. We do not have to deal with those imaginations that he puts there. All those false thoughts, all those false theories about who God is and what he's doing in our world, God says when we read the Bible and we claim his promises and we stay connected through prayer, these false ideas and false reasonings can be torn down and we can know God for who he really is. And we do not have to be subject to the enemy anymore. 
says, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity how many thoughts? Every thought. To the obedience of Christ. I think Paul is describing to us a complete victory in Christ. I think Paul is telling us that it's time to stand up for what we believe in. I think Paul is telling us that it's time to put away the half-hearted Christianity that we may be living and really believe with all of our hearts that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. Amen? Amen. I know that in my past life, people came to me and they said, Justin, when are you going to stop doing what you're doing? And you know, I always told them with just the, the utmost confidence, one day soon... I'll do it. And it's funny because these people that I were talking to were, were, were being, uh, I don't want to say blessed, but they were being privileged by the things that I was involved with. So it was funny for me to hear them say, hey, when are you going to stop doing what you're doing? When I was helping them out. And I would keep, keep telling them over and over and over again, you know, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do this anymore. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been there? I'm not going to do this. I don't, want to, I don't even want to do this anymore. But without the power of God in your life, we can argue with the enemy to a T and he just laughs because he knows if we're not claiming the promises of God and trusting that God will fulfill them, we're going to be in that same recidivist situation over and over and over again. And that's how it was for me until I met Christ and he revealed to me the power that we're talking about today over sin and temptation. Does it mean that we won't wrestle with it anymore? No, we'll wrestle with it until the day that we die. But God says that we can wrestle with it, but we will not be overcome by it. Amen? So, why the Bible? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, why the sword of the Spirit? 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 4. Actually, let's begin in verse 2. The Bible says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us how many things? I like that word all this morning, all and every. God doesn't hold back when it comes to giving gifts in this great battle that we're involved in. It says, Whereby are given unto us, or I'm sorry, his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And it goes on in verse 4 and it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious what? Promises. Promises. That we, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Here's a simple question this morning. If we are struggling with temptation, we're being drawn away or enticed, like the Bible says, by the lusts of our own heart, how do we escape it? When temptation comes knocking on the door, what do we do? Help me out. What does the text say? The Bible says again, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises 
that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. And this is how we escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. We look at the Bible. We take it for what it says. God says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Do I believe it or not? Because if I believe it with all of my heart, that exceeding great and precious promise will give me the strength and power that I need to overcome the temptation that I'm using it against. Amen. Exceeding great and precious promises bring the very life of God into your soul. We become partakers of the divine nature. And with Christ in us, we have all power and all authority against any attack of the enemy that comes our way. Exceeding great and precious promises. How many of them do you have hidden in your heart today? Is there just one? I'll tell you, if you believe even in, that, just, in just that one, that's one enough to give you victory over every temptation that you have to face. If you would just believe in that one promise, if it were just Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, that would be all that you would need if that's all that you had, if you believed it with everything that you had. Because one word from God has more power than any imagination or reasoning that the enemy can bring to us. Amen? Amen. We're told that in every command and in every promise of the word of God is what? Power. The very life of God or the divine nature, if you will, by which the command may be fulfilled and the promise realized. It's more than just a book. Every word that we read in here has power, divine power. And when we believe it and we bring it into our hearts, that divine power becomes ours and Christ lives out his life in us and we are the sons and the daughters of God. That's the Bible. But what about prayer? Paul's inspired prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. If you'll turn back there with me. An incredible prayer. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Paul says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, listen to what Paul prays, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. In other words, God's love is so great, so extensive, so mighty, so powerful that we can't even comprehend it with our human knowledge. But he wants us to begin to understand and we'll begin to understand here and all throughout eternity we'll continue to study the incredible power of the love of God. He goes on to say that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Can you comprehend that? The Bible says that Jesus was given the Spirit without measure. 
And he accomplished the things that he accomplished and he went to the cross. He gave his life for us. He was raised from the grave and now he's in heaven ever living to intercede for you and for me. And he says, the same power that I had on this earth as a human being, I want to give to you. And Paul got that. And Paul says, this is a prayer that I'm praying for the entire church of God. I'm praying that they would begin to understand the love of Christ that brought him here. The love of Christ that keeps him interceding for people that hate him here on earth. The love of Christ that would bring the fullness of the power of God into the life of every Christian who wants it. That's his prayer. And I'm wondering if that's your prayer this morning. How high do your prayers go? The Bible says here that we can pray for just about anything that we want to. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think, according to the power that works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I can imagine Paul praying this prayer inspired and beginning to smile and be happy and confident with joy as he writes it out, thinking, man, this is actually a reality. But oftentimes our prayers don't even reach the ceiling. We pray half-heartedly. We don't consider that God can do what he says he can do. And then we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. My wife and I have been praying heavily uh, through a situation Uh, that has been very, very sensitive for us. And I've kind of carried those burdens here, but uh, like the Bible says, we can cast our burdens upon the Lord and He can sustain us. Amen? Amen. So we've been praying, we've been talking, we've been asking God for wisdom and and dealing with the situation because there are many hearts that are involved with the decisions that we're making and the conversations that we're having. And we've been praying, and we've been praying, and the answers haven't come, and life has become more difficult and more difficult, and we felt like we were being pressed and pushed and pressed and pushed. And then last night, there was a breakthrough. Now, not all the prayers have been answered, you understand. But God has begun to answer in ways that will bring glory to Him as we prayed to Him without doubting. Do not doubt God when it comes to your prayers. If you have doubts about God, there's a prayer that you can pray. And it's a prayer that a man prayed when it came to the life of his child. He wanted his child to be saved. He wanted the health to return. And Jesus says, if you believe, this can take place. And the man, I imagine, through tears and pain and agony says, I believe, but help my unbelief. You can pray that prayer this morning, friends. And God hears it and he will answer it and bring you through the challenges that you're having. We're told in Steps to Christ, pages 94 and 95, why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray when prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where I treasure the boundless resources of omnipotence? In other words, God says, why do we not pray more often? Why is it that we're so hesitant to pray when we have carte blanche to the powers and the treasures of heaven? Why do we not pray more? It goes on to say, without unceasing prayer and diligent watching, we are in danger of growing careless and of deviating from the right path. God has given us awesome gifts, amen? Amen. He's given us the Bible, amen. He's given us prayer, 
where we can come to him and take those promises and say, God, you've told me that I can have these things in the Bible if I come and ask you for them, and here I come to you in prayer, believing, humbly asking for these things that I need to fight the battle that I'm in. I don't know about you, but I get tired every day, and I'm not talking about physical tiredness. I see that in the eyes of everyone this morning. But I'm talking about growing spiritually tired, amen? And I haven't even been a Christian that long. Under a decade, that may be long for some of you. But under a decade, and to me it has just flown by. And every year has been rewarding, but I'm still tired of this old world. And I want to go home. And we talk about it, but this morning I really feel it in my heart. I want to go home. I want Jesus to come, but I want to have this experience that we're talking about now before he comes because I know that the angels in heaven are holding back the winds of strife so that more can be saved. And if I don't have this experience, I cannot participate in the salvation of souls because they're not going to see the power of God in my life. I want this experience. I want Jesus to come. And I know that if I have that burden for Jesus to come and I'm having this experience and I'm praying that God holds back the winds of strife so that more of us can have it, he'll use us in his service. People will see it in you and in me and they'll get it and they'll believe. When it comes to claiming the promises of God, we have to carefully note all the conditions to receiving the blessing. And then we have to meet those conditions. God isn't just going to assume that things are going to be taken care of. He asks us to participate in claiming the promises. Uh, Some of the conditions that you might want to consider when um, claiming the promises of God are these. Number one, we need to feel our need of help. We need to know and understand in our own hearts that we're dependent upon God. Another one is that we shouldn't regard iniquity in our hearts because the Bible says if we do regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord does not hear us. In other words, we cannot just go and live a life of sin doing whatever we want, presumptuously, presumptuously think that God is going to just continue to bless us and take care of us. He's not like that. He doesn't coerce us. He doesn't control the conscience. He lays out a plan for us, and he says, if you want to follow it, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. That's how much I love you. He goes, or the number three says, we have to have faith, not doubting. Um, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we might just add there in prayer. Uh, Number four says, be persevering, continue to pray and not lose heart. Uh, Number five says, keep his commandments. It's very necessary that we do that. We don't keep them to be saved. We know that. But in a relationship with Christ, he empowers us. And because we have that saving relationship, we keep them because we're saved by the grace of God. And he gives us the power to do it. Uh, Number six, we ask for unselfish purposes. We ask for... Uh, not just ourselves, but we also ask for blessings to come upon other people. Amen? Have you ever noticed that when you... Have you let me ask this question first. Have you ever prayed for someone that you don't really care for? Have you? That's hard, isn't it? Like, I'm thinking to myself sometimes in the past, it's easier now, but when I was praying for people that I didn't care, I had a hard time with that. I'm like, you really want me to pray for that person? I'm like, all right, Lord... All right, uh, be with him today. I mean, I couldn't even get it out. Just be with him today, and uh, I pray for his salvation. And that was it. But then as you process through it, the Lord begins to somehow strangely and imperceptibly change your heart towards that person to where you have a longing for them. You understand? You're like, man, God, I love them before you hated them. Now I love them for some strange reason. I love them, and God, will you do for them what you're doing for me? 
God just saved them because they're sinful, but now will you do for them what you're doing for me? God, will you do exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ever ask or think? God, maybe they're not praying for themselves today and, and my heart goes out to them because I want them to know you. Will you look after them today? Will you send your spirit to talk to them? Will you send your angels to, to encamp around about them? Help them, Lord. Give them a reprieve from the enemy. Let them know you as I know you. Your prayers change when you start praying for people. And when that happens, it opens up the door for you to be blessed too. Because in blessing other people, the Bible teaches, we will be blessed. It's the principle of the Bible. And number seven, it says, ask according to his what? Ask according to his will. So with your Bible in your hand, you can say, Lord, I have followed all these uh, situations, these commands. I've done as you have said, and I present your promise. And after we've offered our petitions, we are to, listen to this, we are to answer them for ourselves as far as possible and not wait for God to do for us that we can do for ourselves. So we find that our prayer life needs to be active. If we're going to God and we're claiming a promise as we battle against sin and temptation in our lives, we don't sit back on our haunches and wait for God just to do it for us. He says, I want you to actively engage in the battle. I want you to step in the water. I want you to face the army. I want you to go down Gideon and break the pots and let the lamp shine and start doing what I've asked you to do. Because in so doing, you're acting in faith. And when you act in faith, I can work in your life. And when we act in faith and we, we do what God asks us to do, in that situation, active living faith, we see that God actually does what he says he's going to do. If we never responded and we sat back on our haunches and never did what God asked us, asked us to do, we would never experience the, the, the life that he wants us to experience. But he says, step out in faith. Go do it and see if I'm not who I say I am. And every time in the Bible someone did that, God blessed them incredibly. He showed them that he was real and he gave them the victory and their faith was strengthened to meet the next battle. Oops. It goes on to say, the help of God is held in reserve for all who demand it. Divine help is to be combined with human effort, aspiration, and energy. So then what should we ask for? Well, we can ask for the pardon of sin. How many of you pray for that every morning? Not just for your own, but pray for others too. And for the Holy Spirit, for a Christ-like temper, for wisdom and strength to do His work. And I like this next part, for any gift that He has promised. We may ask. And then we are to believe that we receive and return thanks to God that we have received it. And even before we receive it, we need to pray in faith and thank God and say, God, I know that I have the things that you've promised and even though they may not be realized just yet, I know they're coming. Thank you, God, so much for providing all that I need in the battle against sin and temptation. Now, dealing with temptation, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, I believe it is. Or James, actually, we'll look in James here first. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, Every man and every woman is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And again, where does the battle take place this morning? In our minds. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. It is not a sin to be tempted, amen? 
It's part of the Christian experience. What we do with that temptation makes all the difference in the world. I don't know about you, but I have thoughts running across my mind every day, all day, that I do not invite to be there. It's those reasonings that we talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And sometimes you'll be walking along and boom, there it is. And you're like, where in the world did that come from? Right? What do you do? Pray. We have that privilege. It's carte blanche. We can do it. And I always claim that promise that we read. God, you've told me that I can cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And when I begin to claim those promises, those promises become huge in my head and those thoughts that were tempting me become smaller and smaller and smaller until they're not there anymore. And in that moment, I've obtained the victory by the grace of God. That's our battle. That's how we win it. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to concede to the temptation, respond to it, and act upon it. And that happens right here in the mind. And God says the ultimate outcome of succumbing to temptation is death. And it seems a bit harsh sometimes when you think about it superficially because it seems as though we didn't invite the situation into the world, did we? We are suffering because of somebody else's decision. But yet God can say that the wages of sin is death because he came and gave his life for the victory over it. And he's saying all you have to do is believe, accept and respond to the gifts and the promises and the love that I'm revealing to you in my word. That's all I'm asking you to do. So when it says that when it's finished, when sin is conceived and it brings forth death, I'm okay with that because I know it's not God's will for you or me to die in this world. It's for us to live forever with Him. You've read the passage, right? The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. So even if we do stumble into temptation, the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to this situation that we call repentance. Where in our hearts we realize that we were enticed by our sin and we actually fell into it. Lust was conceived and it brought forth a situation of death in our lives. But God says, I am much more able than the enemy. And even though you've sinned, you have an intercessor in the kingdom of heaven. You have someone who shed his blood for you. Someone who's living his life for you. Someone who wants to be with you in eternity. And so even when we stumble and fall, there's hope for the sinner. In the Desire of Ages, page 429, it says, In Christ, God has provided means for subduing how many sinful traits? Help me out. How many people? Every, all, however you want to say it. And resisting every temptation, no matter how strong. There's no excuse for sin in the life. There's no excuse to succumb to temptation because... In short, God is stronger than the enemy. It says, as the will of man cooperates with the will of God, it becomes omnipotence. In other words, when we're claiming the promises of God, and we're believing and we're going to Him in prayer, that connection that we have gives us all power and all authority. Our will actually becomes omnipotent, and whatever is to be done at His command may be accomplished in His strength. All His biddings are our enablings. So God is telling us that whatever I'm asking you to do, in this great fight, in this battle between good and evil, I'm going to give you the power 
to do. And that's why Paul could say without question, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. When we pray for earthly blessing, the answer to our prayer may be delayed or God may give us something other than we ask, but not so when we ask for deliverance from sin. When we ask for deliverance from sin, the answer is immediate. The only, the only reason that we don't recognize it or that it's not happening in our lives is because we don't believe it. Or we allow the enemy to parlay with us in our mind and when we, when we allow him to reason there, it takes our conscience and our mind away from God and His promises and we end up stumbling and falling because we don't stay connected with God. And I don't know if you've been there or not, but lately, uh, in the past two years, I have found that those voices are becoming more prominent in my head, okay? The good voices, by the way. You guys are going to be calling somebody saying, hey, this guy's got voices in his head. <laughs> but the voices of the enemy, the voice of God, both of them uh, vying for your attention and vying for the control of your mind, you have to understand something. One power or another is going to control your life. You have no ability or power to control your own life. We just concede to one power or the other, and I want to concede my life to God. Amen? We're told that when we ask for deliverance from sin, we can have it. And these voices that I'm talking about have become more clear. And I hear, I literally hear the reasonings of the enemy. Hey, this is what you should do. And this is why you should do it. And literally justifying it and very powerfully saying this is, is how it could work. And it's okay, God will forgive you. Not if I'm doing it presumptuously, he won't. And because I'm understanding better the word of God, I hear those promises coming to me by the power of God saying, Justin, here's your answer. Here's the response. Don't even deal with the enemy. Just claim the promises and let me deal with him in my power. And I'm finding now that claiming those promises and listening to the right voice and following that counsel in the midst of darkness is giving me victory in areas of my life that I never had victory before. Isn't that awesome? God is providing victory for you and for me. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, if you'll turn with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 13. The Bible says, There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Amen. No matter what temptation it is, no matter how strong, no matter how it comes to you, it says God is faithful, and He will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. So even if you feel stretched, in whatever situation you're in, Trust in the Lord, like the Bible says, with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't listening, listen to the reasonings of Satan. But in all your ways, acknowledge God. And he'll guide you through the pathways and lead you through the temptation and bring you out victorious on the other side. I think of Joseph, who was brought into temptation, wasn't he? Potiphar's wife was just hot after him. Chasing him down, it seems like, almost every day. And there he is one day with her in the house, and she literally tries ripping his clothes off of him. 
and he doesn't stay there and hang around and parlay with temptation. I mean, the enemy was actually reasoning, right, reasoning with him right there through this woman, and he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And he runs and leaves his coat with her, knowing that there will be consequences. He didn't say, well, you know what? Here I am. I'm not getting out of this one. She's been hounding me for weeks. I might as well just go ahead and do it and get, and get on with it and ask God for forgiveness later. He didn't do that. He felt that his relationship with God was more important than anything else. And he says, I will not do this thing and sin against God. You see, Joseph understood the power of God's word. He understood the presence of God was with him every single moment of the day. And because of that, he had victory in even the most challenging of situations. And I have to imagine that as a young, good-looking man who was preserving himself for just the right woman, according to godly principles, it was a struggle to see a beautiful, powerful woman come into the room every day and ask him to spend time with her. But his relationship with God gave him victory. And I praise God for that story. Amen. I think of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. We won't go there this morning. I just want to ask you one question. How did Jesus deal with temptation? It's what we've been talking about all morning. The Word of God and prayer. He spent time praying and fasting because he knew the battle that was going to ensue. All during the time in the wilderness he was tempted and there were acute temptations that came at his weakest moment. And at his weakest moment, he had all the power that he needed because when he was weak, the Bible says he was strong. And Paul says that should be our experience because God's grace is sufficient for us because his strength is made perfect in our, can you finish it for me? Weakness. Jesus overcame through prayer, implicit trust in the power and the promises of God. And he says, we can do the same today. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible says, here are those that keep the commandments and have the faith of Jesus Christ. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, and this is the victory that we have over the world. This is the victory that we have over sin and temptation, even our faith. Because faith connects us with the all-powerful and almighty God of heaven. And he knows no losses when it comes to the battle against the enemy. And we connect with that power and through him we will know no loss either. When through experience we gain victory over temptation, we have something we can confidently share with others. Our walk with Christ. This is, the, what, this is what the world is in need of and for want of which the world is perishing. Are you having this experience this morning? God is calling every single one of us into it. He was calling my friend Rick into that experience. Rick was stumbling and falling and God was saying, Rick, I don't condemn you, but I need you to come into this experience. I need you to begin to pray. I need you to begin to study because it's only going to get more difficult from here on. And I don't know how it is with Rick today. I keep seeing pictures, if you will, of what's happening with his life, and I'm worried. But I know that with God, all things are possible. But I know that there's a difference with Rick's life, and there's a difference with the life of those who people, with people who call themselves Christians. Rick's life may not be on the right track, and that means he has no power. That means that he's going to continue to stumble and fall. But with you and with me today, we have something called the power of God. We have something that's called a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And I'm wondering this morning if you're willing to take everything that you're wrestling with this morning to God in prayer and tell God that you'd rather have Jesus more than that. Is there something that you're struggling with this morning? When you're honest with yourself and you look there right now, is the Spirit of God sharing something with you that needs to be dealt with? Whatever it is this morning, as we bow our heads in prayer, give that thing, give those things to God. And this morning, Take him at his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to experience the Christian experience. It's time for us to put away half-hearted Christianity and believe all the promises of God. It's time for us to become lovers of God and not lovers of the world. It's time for us to be witnesses for Christ. I know that in every heart, Lord, there's a battle with sin and temptation. It's part of the human experience. And whatever my brothers and sisters have in their hearts this morning that you've placed there, Lord, give them the power and the wisdom to come to you and work through it together with you. And Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.